This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one hard word at a time. (laughs) A few weeks ago, maybe several weeks ago, we were talking about how much action is too much. And that was based on a book that I'd read. And we were chatting the other day, and you mentioned having seen a movie, and you wanted to talk about that in relation to the topic of that previous podcast. So I turn it over to you, Taylor Stevens. (laughs) So, like, I don't know. It might have been the week after we recorded that podcast, I went to see Aquaman. I love superhero movies because, for me, I go to watch movies to escape, And with superhero movies, you get, you know what you're going to get, mostly, until Thanos comes along and snaps his fingers. So I will go, uh, superhero movies are one of the few movies I'll actually go see in a movie theater because I'm not worried about getting stuck there with a movie that I can't stand. And, And I'm really, it's hard for me to find movies that don't stress me out. So I love, the the movie is great. But I really, there were, I got bored in it, to be honest. And the reason I got bored were the fights. Now, I like a good fight sequence as much as anybody, which we talked about in that previous podcast. But when you know that nobody in that fight is going to get hurt, it's not going to change the plot at all. It's not going to change the characters at all. It's just, it becomes filler and it becomes boring to me because I want to get to the story. I don't want to be, you know, just stuck there. But, you know, obviously I'm not the the audience for Aquaman because everybody loves that movie. It's great. But then I hear about, um, I also saw on, I guess we paid for it from video download, um, Venom. And I really liked Venom because it was different. It wasn't the same thing over and over, but I still had that reassurance that, you know, I I was safe to not get stressed out about what was going to happen. But Venom got a lot of, it got panned quite a bit um, for various reasons, but it didn't have that issue of two gods fighting and nobody's going to get hurt and all we're doing is showing off and pounding our chest like some alpha gorillas here, which it kept it interesting and kept it moving. So I just thought that was a, we had just done that show. And then I saw both of these movies almost back to back. And I was like, oh, we should have recorded it a week later. I would have had more material to add to it. So now we're (laughs) adding it here. And I, I was actually thinking about this as I was listening to Liar's Paradox. You have some lengthy, I, I won't call them fight scenes, but there are some lengthy scenes where one party is going after another. And I was thinking, why don't these feel too long? And the reason they don't feel too long is because there's so much character in them, and there's so much why. And 
and how. And it's just fascinating. And when they're over, I'm like, oh, I can't believe that scene is over. I wanted more of that scene. As opposed to the, I punched him with my left hand, and I grabbed, my, I grabbed his hair with my right hand, and then I grabbed this piece of pipe, and I whacked him over the head with it, and then he bounced against a door, and, you know, page after page after page of this, it's, for you, it's more strategy and implementation versus the other side also being strategic and, and implementing, and it's just, it's fascinating. It, it's part of, a, like, the character study of the people in the book, and so it's a completely different thing. There's an objective. The characters are actually getting somewhere with it. There, something's going to happen. You know something's going to happen. You know it's not going to be a fight sequence that goes nowhere and then both of the characters run off and come back to fight another day. There's something. There's more than just the fighting. The fighting is just the backdrop mm-hmm. for the mental games and the pain and the desires and the um, fears and hopes and dreams. It's it's the the colors that you're painting that palette with. It's not a fight sequence just for the sake of having a fight sequence. Um, and when you can put those two together, then that's when you have a sequence that it it's it feels alive. It feels like something instead of just an event. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that was your goal when you were writing it, and that's my smooth transition to get to today's topic, which is what happens when you don't achieve your goals? That's my whole life. What are you talking about? All right. Taylor and I were talking a few weeks ago, right after the first of the year. I I don't remember whether this made it into a podcast or not. It may have. Um, but it, it it had to do with Taylor's process that she goes through at the end of each year with not not goals, but just sort of a review and a looking forward kind of thing. Yeah, we did talk about that. And for me, I sit down and write goals at the beginning of each year. And then I look back on past goals. And I think I said, and I think this was in a podcast, that I just failed miserably at at, at my writing goals last year. And after we finished recording, you said that would make a great topic for a podcast. So here we are. This is this is that podcast. Um, yes. So we want to talk about what happens when you don't meet your goals, because if you're like us, human, you probably don't meet your goals most of the time. Then what? I, my goals at the beginning of last year were to finish four books. I did not finish one book. And as I was looking back on that, I didn't, realize, I didn't really feel a sense of not having accomplished the goals because I made progress towards my main writing goal, which was to write a book that I want to read. And I feel like what, what I have now is pretty close to that. It's... I'm I'm working my way through the last few chapters of the second draft and I'll probably give it one more go through to to add some things that that aren't in there now and take out some things that that cause it to drag but in terms of the big goal I actually made progress last year but in terms of the written goal the I want I want to publish four books I didn't even come close and I, I was it would have been really easy to just say, 
well, I failed miserably last year. I can't do this, and I may as well just give up, as opposed to just looking at it from a broader perspective. I was not able to write as fast as I thought I could. I was busier than I thought I was going to be. I had less free time than I thought I was going to have. And it just didn't happen. But I spent almost no time beating myself up about it and spent a little bit of time thinking, well, what do I want to do next year? I would still like to be able to do the four books. And I think I'm on a pace now where I might be able to do two. And I'd be thrilled if that happened. But the bigger goal is to still do the one book that I would want to read and be happy reading. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that this is it. So I, I, I guess the topic of this show is, is, is it's, we, as Taylor said, we all set these objectives for ourselves and we all, at times, don't hit them. And so I have, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Well, I have some thoughts on this now, okay. now that we've been talking about it. Um, I think about it in terms of a parent to child, how I react to my own children when they fail at stuff that they wanted to do. Um, I think that the fact that we don't always meet our goals is actually a bit of a good sign because it means that we are stretching ourselves. If we always hit our goals, could mean that we are not making big enough goals. We're not challenging ourselves enough. So to stretch for a goal and miss it is not a failure because we stretched. When my kids, particularly one who's had a very hard time academically, just beat themselves up over their struggles, I never looked at their grades and said, you know, why isn't your grade good enough or whatever? My criteria for everything was, did you do your best? Did you give this the absolute best that you could? And if you did, then be proud. Because giving your best is all you can expect of yourself. Where you maybe should not feel so proud of yourself is if you didn't do your best and you slacked off and then you got the failure or whatever. And I think for myself, I wish I could be as kind to myself as I am to my kids. But I think also it's that I have very high expectations of myself. And I don't know that I will ever feel as if I did my best because sometimes doing your best day after day is exhausting. Sometimes you have to let yourself just take a breath and step off the gas a little bit. But I have this um, book of self-quotes, the quotes that I've written for myself um, long, long time ago, and they, they turn up at the bottom one at a time, at the bottom of the emails that go out on the email list. Mm -hmm. And one of those quotes is um, essentially, I'm paraphrasing it here, but to, to give less than my absolute best is to cheat myself out of what is rightfully mine. And that's kind of the, I don't know, the standard that I aspire to hold myself to rather than I set these goals and I failed and now I'm going to feel like I suck. The whole idea of doing your best, as, as you were talking about that, I did not, I did not even come close to doing my best when it came to getting my writing done. And 
I am not going to judge myself that way because I got so many other things done that I didn't know that I would be doing at the beginning of the year. I didn't know. But that's what I mean by doing your best. It's not like doing your best in one thing. It's doing your best in the situation that you're in with the limitations that you have and the, the circumstances that surround you. Well, I still don't think I did my best that way, even, even with all of those circumstances, because there were plenty of evenings when I chose to go watch football instead of spending two hours writing. And that was mostly just because I needed a mental break. I couldn't do something creative right then, but that's an excuse. I mean, I did not do my best at reaching this one goal, but my goal list is, tends to be lengthy. Right. So this was one. These were my writing goals, but there were lots of other goals that I hit last year, and, and I'm happy about that. We're not machines as no. humans. You know, we're not machines. We don't have that ability. Some do, obviously, you know, and they're probably very successful because of it. But most of us don't have that ability to just go and go and go and go and go and go without burning out. And the idea is not to burn yourself out before you get to the finish line, it's, you know, you, you have to pace yourself. And sometimes for the sake of your mental health, for the sake of so many other things, you have to be able to just stop, do something else, do something enjoyable, do something that feeds you. And so you've got to factor that into doing your best too. Like I kick myself all the time for the time wasted, you know, that I'm procrastinating or I'm on Facebook or whatever it is. But I've come to realize that in many cases, that is a necessary part of the process because the brain overloads, it overheats it, it just can't, it can't go more. So you stop, you let it take a little break, and then you go back. And maybe that means watching football instead of writing that night. So, you know, what best is really depends, it's, it's situational, it, it depends on the person too, I think. Well, there's one thing that I am proud of myself for with my writing from last year, in in addition to what I think is becoming something that I can be happy with as a book. And that is that I had probably a half dozen other ideas and I really wanted to start them because it's way easier to start something than it is to finish something. And I would not allow myself to do that. I would not allow myself to veer off and think about the other three books that I wanted to get done. I couldn't get the next three done if I didn't get the first one done. I am so proud of you. That is so huge. That is amazing. And, you know, you deserve a huge round of applause for that. That was a small round of applause, but thank well, you. I, only, I, I take I'm your only point. I'm one person. You know, you, you're, you're the audio master here. Go take that and like multiply it by a thousand, and then you've got what you need. I should. I should. But I, I, I would just constantly think, oh, you know, it would be more fun to write this kind of book, or it would be more fun to write that kind of book, and it would be easier. And I know just from all of the stops and starts that I've had that the hardest thing is to finish. And yes. if you don't, finish, you're not done. If you don't get it done, you can't publish it. If you don't publish it, then you don't accomplish anything other than you have this hobby where you're writing every so often. Yes, 100%. And like, I'm sort of in that same boat where I, and anybody who's followed this podcast since the beginning, 
um, if you're on Patreon or if you're in the fan club group, you know this. I have open projects, projects that I've invested months and months, even years into. They're not finished because I was forced to set them aside to do other things. And that weighs on me. It's like a mental burden because I'm not done with them. I am going to finish them. I just don't know when. So finishing is not just amazing in the sense that you finally all that time and effort and energy is in it's done well nothing's ever done until it's in print but it's the hard part is done um it not only do you not have to work on that now you can get it out of your conscious you can get it off your mental plate free up that mental bandwidth and it's like it's like losing 100 pounds Yes. And from my perspective, because of what I want to do with this book and some follow-up books for it, it's, it's like, in my own mind, I can't write these other books until I get the next two books in the Reggie series done, or at, at least mostly done, done to the point where I can turn it over to editors and things like that. Because if I veer off from, if I finish this one book and then go in a completely different direction, then I'm killing any possible momentum that I could have for the Reggie series. And yeah. it's it's a, a longer-term thing. But I am, you know, you, you were... I am really proud of myself for not allowing myself to veer off in these different directions. I wish I had more time. I wish I was more diligent with the writing. But overall, I'm... While I did not achieve my goals last year, my writing goals last year, or the year before that... Uh, I'm pretty happy with the progress that I've made. And I, I was at a conference, uh, the 20 Books to 50K conference in Las Vegas, and the whole theme of that conference is that publishing in volume is the way to success as an indie author. And they teach you ways of doing that, and there are lots of people there that you can connect with who have done it. But one theme that I heard over and over and over again is the first book took me three years, and the second book took me a year, and the third book took me three months. And <laughs> it's... So I, I get this sense that I'm not the only one who's doing this. And some of the people that were saying that are people that have now published dozens of books and are doing really well as indie authors. So... Again, that helps me to feel better about the process that I'm going through and to feel like I'm making progress on multiple levels, not just getting this book done, but I'm also speeding up the process in theory for the next books. That's awesome. I have a thought. It's a little bit off topic. So if we decide we want to cut this out, it would make for another show. But it, it has to do with the subject of finishing. And I think that... Um, and this is for our listeners who may be in a situation like this, similar to Steve's, is sometimes we self-sabotage ourselves and prevent ourselves from finishing because we're scared. Um, as long as we're writing that book, that's all we have to focus on. But once it's finished, then it's a whole other world opens up. And you actually, if you are writing for the... Um, the end goal of, of publishing, whether self or traditional or whatever, um, you are going to face rejection, a lot of it. And sometimes knowing that, even if we haven't give our, given it a lot of thought, we tend to, um, it's a different form of pro procrastination. We're still writing, but, you know, we're not eager to get to that goal line. 
and, and we don't even know that that's what we're doing because we're afraid of finishing because of what finishing means in terms of risk. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I don't know whether that's a part of the process for me. I, it, it has to be, at least to a small extent. But I, I remember when I first started doing podcasts and doing interviews and things, just being terrified. It would take me so long to finish producing an episode because I was afraid to put it out unless it was perfect. And so if anything that you do, if any, any work that you put out there, if, if you're a realtor listing a house it is something that you can be judged on. If you're a writer publishing a book or publishing a blog post or publishing a, a podcast episode or writing a paper at work and giving it to your boss, all of those things bring the possibility for harsh judgment. Yes. And it's just something that I think we have to get over. And I think I've been through it enough that I, th- I don't think it's playing a major part. Uh, to be honest with you, one of the things, and this is just between you and I, uh, for the listeners out there, please don't listen to this part. But one, <laughs> one of the big things for me is what's Taylor going to think when she reads this? And like, that's the judgment. And not that you would be harsh, but that I'm worried more about that than what the judgment would be from the marketplace. You know, there's a part of me that wants to just laugh because I think that's the me, the, the human little me is thinking that's ridiculous. But at the same time, I know exactly what you're saying because I go through those things too. Not what Steve going to think, but, you know, I have to face the public. I have to face my editors, uh, my agents. And there's that that fear of we all every writer wants to hear that their stuff is the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's all we want to hear is your work is awesome. (laughs) I loved it. This is the best thing I've ever read. And now I'm going to tell all the world that you are a genius. That's the only thing we want to hear. And it is the one thing we will never hear. (laughs) (laughs) And even if you do hear it, you go, yeah, but you know, but you're my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of course you would say that, you know, anything else on the topic of not achieving your goals? Just don't let it get you down. Just all you can do is get back up again and just keep slogging at them because the only thing, the only really horrible thing you can do is quit. Unless it's something you're supposed to quit. But if it's a a project that you really, really want to get done and it's not one of those things that you got yourself into and you just wish you never had, but something you generally want to do, as long as you don't quit, as long as you're making progress, you will eventually reach the finish line. And that's that really is the goal is to get it finished. All right, so that is this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back in your ear again next Tuesday. Thanks for being here.